is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon Jomakos, Nick and Dan. That's right, Nick is back. Viva la vida, Nicolas. Que pasa? How good do I look? Really? Super I mean, tan. Just, <laughs> it's great on an audio platform. You're asking people to check. How good do I look? They just assume I look good. Come Safer, on. Safer, Dan. Safer. Yeah, please. Yeah, face for radio. But yes, thank you for holding down the fort while I was in a in a wedding in Mexico this week. It was a uh, it was a great time. It was a bit frantic with Omicron, international travel, and all that stuff. But a little uh, salt air did me good. And uh, and yeah, we're back. We're ready to go and, and talk through what is uh, not necessarily going to be the most fun episode we've ever done. Yeah, thank so. you for uh, bringing that with you, Nick. Uh, appreciate you that, clearly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is the Man City match review, obviously, uh, the one from the past weekend. And bringing us in uh, to help is is Naz from Goal.com, Mr. Million Articles, Naz. Mr. Million. Yeah, good to be back with you guys. Yeah, it feels like a while. And um, I was just saying off air that you know, it's the uh, last few times I've been on, it's been two of you guys. So to have all three, it's like the proper royal procession, isn't it? I mean, that's what they say everywhere we go. It's like, <laughs> I mean, the, the guest comment are. cards typically say that. So, yeah, that's that, that tracks. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyways, uh, mea culpa at the beginning, I did make a terrible metaphor in relation to Spurs, which I didn't realize I did. Uh, anyways, if you, if you're aware of it, you'll know, uh, thank you to our listeners who reached out to educate, make me aware of it. Uh, but it was a mistake. So I did just want to hold up our hand and say, we appreciate that we're learning. We want to obviously be on the right side of all these things, but at the same time, like we should be able to say my bad. I heard, I read it. I understand now it makes a lot more sense. So appreciate you guys, but we do want to, uh, be held accountable, uh, so we can continue to drive this football soccer discussion in the right direction away from stereotypes so thank you for that uh but we're going to be touching on chelsea bad city good or a bit of both which is it play the play the game there uh though obviously we'll talk about lukaku ton of talking points thanks to alan share i think a lot of people's minds were changed on how that went so uh we'll see if he's the missing link gone missing and then lastly are we through the forest now uh, because we've had so, so many damn games. So again, to kick it off and get a temp check of where, where are our friends at out there in the Chelsea community is the three-word match for you, Dan. This is your moment to shine, sir. No pressure. All over the place. There was a spectrum, and everyone was across it from positive to not negative to very negative to things we will not even recognize or publish because... We're just not going to go down that rabbit hole. But Motor Mount getting us started with this is undisputed, which uh, if you've not watched the uh, Fox Undisputed, uh, it's a very hot takey show with Ugh. Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. And yeah, uh, we won't be that bad, but I'm sure Nick will come up with a few hot takes for us. We have Gabriel with Golf in Class. Mark Clements, 225, with We Miss You, and it's the Wolverine um, uh, meme with the photo uh, being Reese and Chilwell. Uh, well, well done. Uh, Ultra Ernie with Skies and Falling, Surpad with the title race done, Royal Blue, Royal Blue, with the Lesson Not Learnt, David Tubb with Not Tuchel's Best, Tana with Demoralized and Deserved. Uh, demoralizing and deserved laws with gutless toothless clueless grant with wrong belgian scored and then grant with glad it's over wrong belgian scored is good yeah Um, that that was one of my favorites out of the bunch too and it was because it was clever not because it was (laughs) really uh this side or that side um i put what's vic doing and anyone know what victor moses is up to uh we could we we could use a guy (laughs) Uh, it just turns out that I think we'll get into this more that just the wing backs are so, so crucial to the way Tuchel's playing offensively and defensively. Um, and Vic, hit me up, man. What's up? <laughs> just let me know. Uh, Nick, what about you? So apparently you're his agent now, which is fun. Um, I'd be willing yeah. to represent him. I went with a, an oldie but a goodie. Mind the gap. Uh, there's a significant uh difference in the league between chelsea and city and that has to change uh dan over to you 
gloom, not doom. I think it is a result to be frustrated and upset about, but I think there's still plenty of things to look at and point to and realize that we have an incredible manager and a lot of pieces to the puzzle that uh, can still be built upon to have success this season. So sorry for being uh, more reasoned in my approach to this match. <laughs> Don't worry. We have plenty of time to tear that down. No yep. worries. Can't wait. Ready Naz, to go. Three word headline. Go. Well, I think Oasis are the, one of the redeeming factors of Manchester city, uh, the band Oasis, mm. big fan. So I'm thinking Slide Away, one of my favorite songs, title Slides Away, pretty simple. Mm. Well, there's levels of this game, Naz. Uh, didn't really appreciate that, but thank you. Uh, we'll we'll uh, throw that on the old iPod shuffle and tee it up for post-pod. The iPod uh, shuffle. <laughs> so let's go ahead and jump into the Apple Podcast. So we've got two more, Dan, so we want to give a shout-out for them, helping us stay relevant in the uh, Apple Podcast search Engine. Yeah, Glenikin from the US and then G G K T B F T from the US, all leaving wonderful five star reviews in Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. If you have no one already or haven't picked up a friend's phone or a family member's phone or convinced somebody else in your social circle to leave a five star review, you should do that now. And then on Spotify, up to 552 reviews as of time of recording. 453, Dan. 453. Sorry. Yeah, uh, Nick finally did his after 452 people right got now. in there ahead of him. Yep. Um, but yeah, leave a wonderful five-star review on uh, Spotify as well. We are dominating the charts, so we appreciate all the support. Helps people find us. All right. Let us begin the match review. It was Man City. Uh, it was not this past Wednesday. It was actually this past Saturday, the 15th of January. Bomb number one from Dan. <laughs> well, it was not the League Cup, but it was actually in the Premier League. And we were at the Damn. Etihad Stadium. Uh, Casey somehow missed it. Man City one Chelsea nil goal. The alone goal coming from uh, former Chelsea player Kevin De Bruyne. If only anyone had talked about the fact <laughs> that KDB or Mohamed Salah had actually played for Chelsea at one point. Now, fun now fact. Wait, They've played for Chelsea is what you're saying? Fun fact. Interesting. Uh, love talking about it in the media. Uh, so let's go ahead and throw it over to the fifth stand app, the official, official Chelsea FC app. They let us use the highlights. Uh, we're just going to remind you how it went thanks to the, the dulcet tones from the fifth stand. Here we go. Oh, it's on target. And we know John Stones is pretty good at getting up and heading those in for club and country. Thankfully, straight at Kepa. Now we're a bit stretched. Rudiger has Grealish to deal with. De Bruyne, tight angle, I can't imagine he was going for a shot there, probably trying to pull it back for Phil Foden. Oh, mistake, and Grealish is in here! Oh, Kepa's got a piece of it, and a crucial piece. Big bit of keeping, and maybe a big moment in this very big game. Done very well to flick that through to Kevin De Bruyne, who can hit them hard. It's a bit of butter hassled out of it. But that's a, a poor ball by Cancelo. Kovacic on the burst with options. And Lukaku! Edison's first save is a big one. Ziyech, no. Real scare. First shot of any note in the game from Chelsea, and it's a big chance for the big front man. It's fabulous play by Kovacic. Pulisic here. Able to run. Not much brighter start by Chelsea in this second period. He has gone for the goal. And uh, who's an arse, but I think, actually I think, pretty comfortable. I think he's played safe there, De Bruyne. Yeah, De Bruyne, Angolo on the slide would happily have taken him out, I think, as De Bruyne curls in an absolute beauty. It's another X-Factor goal. City's captain. Scores the first goal in this battle of the top two. And there's the whistle. Man City 1, Chelsea 0. All right, hopefully that wasn't too depressing. All <sighs> right, so bring us back, Dan, uh, with the lineup. Well, you know, look, uh, no copy and paste for Thomas Tuchel at this point in the season. It was Kepa, Aretha, Blaga between the sticks. Saar, Rudiger, and Silva as your back three. Alonso, Conte, Kovacic, and Aspilicueta as the four. And then a forward lineup of Lukaku, Christian Blissing, Hakim Ziyech, Bettinelli, Jorginho, Barkley, Loftus-Cheek, Sal, Kai Havertz, all unused subs, and Mason Mount, Timo Werner, and Calum Hudson-Odoi made appearances off the bench. Um... Naz, I have to pause. Can we talk about lineup gate lately? 
What's going on? No one knows what formation we're in all of a sudden. Tuco plays a back four once. We get four, two, 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 three, four, two, one, five. Like when you guys get the lineups, what you seem to be like one of the first to usually get it right. What's your secret? No, I think you're being too kind there. I'm one of the first to stick my neck out and give it a go about what the lineup <laughs> is, that's for sure. And, I, and invariably I get it wrong, you know, but I get excited about that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, I remember when I wrote about Thomas Tuchel becoming Chelsea manager, I was asking like lots of PSG guys, what's he like, you know, Dortmund guys, guys who cover different clubs. And they were always like, this guy changes formation a lot, you know. He, he loves to change his team for the opposition, comes to Chelsea stays in the same system for, you know, nearly a year. And you're yeah. like, my God, what's going on? Um, and, yeah, it's uh, interesting. I think that the three four three that he loves, that's um, a system that's sort of designed to get the best out of Jorginho and Thiago Silva because, you know, they're both physically limited. Uh, Thiago Silva's an old guy. Um, and, yeah, you, get, you know, playing in the middle of a three, there's less running there, um, certainly for him. And then Jorginho as well, he's kind of protected by quite a compact system just because we saw what he's like with those recovery runs, you know, under Lampard. Um, it could be a big weakness of his. So they've both been unbelievable players for Chelsea um, in Thomas Tuchel's reign. So it's absolutely worked, but needs must. The first time he changed formation was against Tottenham where he was forced to. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it at all. Um, you know, fought the back and then... Um, you know, the Tottenham game the following week uh, in the Carabao Cup, he chose to play four at the back. That was the difference. And, and that was a bit of a shocking moment for me, actually, that he chose to do it again. And it kind of says, um, and he said it subsequently in press conferences, that he will put that formation as part of his suite. So we've got three formations, four, two, two, two. We've got the uh, three, four, three. And we've got the, um, you know, five-man midfield as well, the the three five two um, mm-hmm. that we've seen from time to time. So now Chelsea have three formations they can throw at teams. Um, and we might see changes in-game. We might see surprises. Um, and, yeah, it's um, it's kind of good to see because the four two 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 seems like the most attacking of, the, of all of them because it effectively means one defender comes out and then attacker comes in. You know, Ziyech is usually the wing back in that one, and uh, we've seen him sort of be a wing back when you know, because it's four two 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 in attack when Chelsea have possession, but when they don't have possession, they revert to a three four three, and Ziyech moves over from being a ten to a wing back. So um, it makes Chelsea more attacking um, in theory. You know, we've seen it with our own eyes. Um, it's quite entertaining um, when they play that formation uh, there's a bit more creativity but they're also a bit more vulnerable at the same time so like with all these things there's no perfect solution but it certainly looks like a good option well um all i have to say is uh, don't trust the official account they don't get it right either uh some of the top line stats chelsea with the respectable 44 percent possession away at the etihad uh shots on target this is where it all falls apart wheels completely gone uh chelsea with four shots one on target manchester city 11 shots six on target uh again relatively close on touches and passes i think that that's uh, a good thing chelsea with 22 tackles man city only eight pretty pretty easy uh chelsea 24 clearances man city well only eight uh they had nine corners to our one they had three offsides to our four um, one of my favorite stats, no cautions for Manchester City. Two for Chelsea hmm. Uh, hmm. off our six fouls conceded, but they hmm. had 11 fouls conceded. So, look, not every foul is created equal. I accept that, but uh, uh, yeah. quite generous. Yeah. Real, real generous there, from Pawson. Real mm-hmm. generous not to dig in. Very kind of you to the officials. Yeah. PGMOL yeah. is on. Uh, you're, are you on the payroll? Man. Look, get a, did you get talk, a Christmas card? You've or? heard me talk about them. Quite clearly, I am not. Uh, at they just, X, or they just XG, sent me a summons, actually. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be appearing in court, I think. Actually, yeah. would be more likely. That would be the yeah. second mm-hmm. cease and desist I've gotten in yeah. the last two weeks. Anyways, uh, from FB Ref on the XG City with a 0.7. What? Help me out, Nan. Yeah, 0. 0.7. 0. 0.7 to Chelsea's 0. 0.5. All right. Cool. Uh, decimal places. We'll work on that afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, which says it's tight, right? We're on, an, on a bit of a razor's edge, Nick. So again, I've got XG for you. I've got some stats for you. Nas talked about the lineup a little bit. Um, you're coming off of a tequila binger. I mean, how did this all hit you? Uh, worse than the hangover I had on Thursday. I mean, this was 
this wasn't close. I mean, it wasn't. Uh, you, you look at th- there are some matches where the stats uh, lie, and this is one of those matches. I mean, this is that XG is kind of laughable to me. Um, it, it just wasn't remotely a good game for Chelsea. I, I don't necessarily think City played their best game of the season by any means, and I think Chelsea did some things effectively in the game, but I think there is just a, for whatever reason, in the league this season, there is just a golfing class between the way that we play and the way the City play, and I think the thing that, you know, and we'll get into this in, in the next segment, but I think the thing that bothers me the most of all this stuff is, you know, yeah, we didn't have any shots on target. You can't win the game if you don't have shots on target. I mean, that's like a, a basic thing. But we just look scared at the beginning of this match. We look so timid. And I think that's really frustrating for fans who saw this team stand up and go blow for blow a city three times in a row last season with arguably a less talented squad overall. I mean, like, I think that's the thing that really bothers me about this is it just did not seem like the mentality was right uh, to, to go there and try and, and steal a draw or steal all three points. It just looked very timid, very scared that we paid them a hell of a lot of respect. And you have to. They're by far the best team in the league this season. But that's not the way that Chelsea have historically beat Manchester City. We've beat them by going blow for blow with them, by standing up, by being accounted. And it just didn't didn't really happen here and I think that's that was just one of many things that went wrong in the match for me all right well let's circle back to that for sure uh as always one random stat obviously add off to Joe saying zero Chelsea failed to attempt a shot in the first half at the Etihad the first time they failed to do so in a Premier League game under Tomas Tuchel the first time overall since May 2018 versus Newcastle Sheltered. Gotta love the fact that we didn't have a shot on goal against powerhouse Newcastle back in 2018. <laughs> Probably John Joe Shelby, boss in the midfield. Uh, no end pet shithouse moment of the match. You gotta be a shithouse to have a moment. Mm-hmm. We were yep. not shithousing anything. Uh, and obviously Joe Tweed's doubling down with his 0.0 XB expected bodies. There's no tackles, nothing flying in. There's nothing there. So uh, on that somber note, we're gonna take a take our ad break. Uh, when we're back again, we're going two-footed right into Chelsea bad, City good, or a little bit of both. So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. Uh, Dan, uh, can you remind me real quick, do I have any other podcasts to record this this week or are we one and done? No, we've got the bright. Is this like actually into like talking about yeah. it? This yeah, is yeah. like the weirdest yeah. way you've ever brought this in. And I'm super yeah. confused right now. <laughs> hey, we're just a couple of guys having a conversation, Dan. I don't know why. I okay, make it well, weird. Uh, yeah, this is great. Yeah, we do have more pods this week. We've got a okay. bright match review. Uh, I think our friend Matt Law is coming back on to talk about what's going on with transfers. And then, uh, you know, Tinkerman. We got another episode of Tinkerman with Yaz and Joe breaking down the last month's results, which. Uh, I think could be quite gory. Uh, there might need to be like a parental <laughs> advisory on that one. Just uh, may induce night terror, sweats, things of that nature. But who knows? Maybe they'll find positives and silver linings. But, uh, you know, we, we, we shall see. We did just talk to Tweeds earlier, and he was, uh, I think, very ready to record that episode uh, as to what might be going on tactically at Chelsea right now. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that one at the end of the week. All right. Well, shall we uh, go ahead and, and jump into it, I guess? Sure. Really been putting it off here. <laughs> Look, I could try to run another ad break. I mean, what do you guys think? I, I'm open to ideas here. No, no, no. I only kid. Uh, so, are City really that dominant? Were Chelsea just poor? Where did it end in the balance? Uh, Naz, I think, you know, we obviously talked about, I think, the lack of creativity on the offensive side. I mean, the defense held out for 70 minutes. Um, somewhat comfortably, actually. Like, I, I don't feel like City ripped us apart. They weren't really getting in behind. So, I think because... Keppa wasn't overly challenged throughout the match. Uh, I think we looked towards the offense to say, well, what happened? Um, you had Lukaku there. You had Ziyech and Pulisic on each side. We've seen Pulisic have a lot of success against this City team specifically on the break, touch and go, get into space. But many, many different reasons. It seemed like everyone was to focus on the offense. So how did you see it? In person, live. Live, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, cold. But, um, yeah, getting in there, um, I was talking to some of the Man City guys and I was like, you know, Tuckle's been saying that he's going to go blow for blow with Man City. He's to gonna- clarify, you said PSG guys, Dortmund guys, and now City guys. Do you mean journalists or, like, players and staff? G- 
Journalist, journalist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like in the dressing yeah. with Mancy, like so Fernandinho, <laughs> yeah. real quick. <laughs> right. Oh man, I'd be I'd be getting blacklisted if I'm telling Fernandinho what I'm thinking Chelsea are gonna do. But <laughs> I, hey, I would have been throwing him a curveball because I thought Chelsea were gonna go really blow for blow, like do the opposite of what they did in the home game. Like, sorry to bring up more bad news, guys, but you know the home game was even worse, really, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. The the one nil defeat earlier in the season. And I just thought they would do the opposite, you know, high pressing, intensity, physical uh, performance. You know, the, the the other game, the home game earlier in the season, that was a low block and, and try to hit him on the counter-attack with Timo Werner and Romelu Lukaku. Um, and it really didn't work because, you know, the low block, Man City loved pressing a low block, loved pressing, you know, right in Chelsea's half, you know, making them make mistakes in possession um, and turning over the ball in dangerous positions. So... Um, I thought it was going to be different to that. Chelsea did start, you know, trying um, to play on the front foot, trying to press Man City. They did it pretty well for the first few minutes. It sort of created that Lukaku chance, the um, sort of counter-attack where he played it to Ziyech, who's offside, um, and it was a you know, really poor final ball. But it was actually a decent chance, you know. A lot of people are saying he should shoot there. I agree. But there's also a better pass on in Alonso. So he could have done two different things better than he did. Um, and he didn't do either. Um, and I thought, yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea are up for this. this. is exactly how I predicted it. The lineup's a bit different to what I would have done. But yeah, Chelsea have got a chance here. And then from that point on, you know, Man City started to get on top of the game. And it was really the pressing again. You know, Man City is so good at pressing. And, and it completely unsettled Chelsea they started to sit back in a low block I was you know I was there in the in the press box and and you just see it was one of those games where you see Thomas Tuckle like I always love watching him and seeing how he's reacting because I know how bad it is when I look at him um and he was absolutely furious at his players like you know trying to almost coach them during the game what to do telling them what to do um you know Malang Sar passed it out of play blamed Alonso um Lukaku was throwing his hands up in the air because he wasn't getting the types of balls he wanted um and the first half after you know the the Lukaku sort of chance was absolutely awful a awful awful half and then the second half yeah I was like me and Liam, I was sat near Liam Toomey from The Athletic and we were like, could be one of those games where he makes the halftime sub, you know. It was it was kind of really bad um, and he didn't. Um, and actually Chelsea did improve without the sub, which was good to see, but um, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough, um, especially from an attacking point of view. Um, and City got a good goal, uh, maybe kept a slightly at fault. Um, uh, but yeah, the the press conference after was actually quite interesting because, um, you know, I, I saw Thomas Tuchel, he spoke on BT Sport and he criticised Lukaku, criticised the attack in general, but Romelu Lukaku was the only one who was named. Um, so that became a huge story. Um, and, and Lukaku did have a bad game. Um, his body language sometimes looks quite bad. And um, yeah, it was uh, that was the big story of the day. But... The attack was criticised in general, you know, changed all three, I think, um, by the end of the match. So, um, yeah, I mean, Chelsea defended OK. Malang Sarr, credit to him as well. Mm-hmm. Didn't believe he could play at that level, but he he did pretty well. Um, not a man of the match, but to play at that level from Porto B last year is ridiculous, by the way. Um, and, yeah, I think Malang Sarr comes out of credit. The defence comes out of credit. Matteo Kovacic, Chelsea's man of the match. Um, Kante was good, uh, but the front three were poor and the substitutes didn't really change the game either. So, uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Now we're thinking, now the narrative is, is Chelsea's attack good enough? And you can't really understand how it's not good enough because they are big players, big names and, and big signings. But we're here again. It's like Morata's playing for Chelsea. You know, <laughs> I feel like deja vu all over again. Uh, Morata had scored more goals at this point, I think. He had that <laughs> initial start that was quite bright. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, this is this is part of the point, though, right? Like, I I said on Twitter, I think right around halftime or right after, like you could have subbed all front three at that point and brought in a whole new front three and asked them to do something different. I don't know what they were asked to do yesterday. Like, you're, you're typically in this setup, like you you mentioned, as you see high pressing, lots of energy, winning the ball back in, in high areas, you know, in dangerous areas for, for your opponent. You saw none of that. You saw Pulisic dropping back to protect Dave, which was probably a smart thing to do given 
you know, his legs right now don't seem like they're as springy as normal, even though he'll fight through a match and, and do the best job that he can. On the opposite side, I, I do not understand what Ziyech was asked to do yesterday. It was all over the place, and he had a particularly bad game. I think probably the worst of the front three for me. And, you know, Lukaku obviously is a mess right now. I mean, it's an absolute mess with him, and I don't know how you get him out of that funk. I mean, but the rest of the team, it seemed like they were operating on one structure, Dan, and the front three were doing something completely different. And when they brought off uh, Ziyech and, and Pulisic, I was like, either they did exactly what Tuchel asked them to do or they didn't, and I don't know what is what. <laughs> well, I don't think, and I know we're going to talk about Pulisic and Ziyech and Lukaku in, in more thought in just a moment, but I, I think the difference was you saw a city front three that made life difficult for Keppa, made life difficult for Alonso and the early challenge that he had to make on Sterling, which basically put him on the ropes for the remainder of the match. And he he actually recovered decently, uh, and, and Saar really pitched in a lot too to help him out there. But, I mean, Foden had a great game pressing down Keppa and making life difficult for him. I think he had like a, a pass completion of like 53%. It's like one of the lowest that Chelsea goalkeeper has had in ages. And yep. so the execution of the game plan on City's end, which is something we've done before when you have someone like Mason in who is really just running for 90 minutes at an opposition to force them into making mistakes is what City did, and it worked in their favor. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I think where we made a mistake, and I think this is where, you know, maybe... I, I'm not sure, Brandon, if you think this point too, is like we we probably have a more winnable game in terms of the league against Brighton heading into Tuesday. And the turnaround from a Saturday match against one of the, if not the best team in England and Europe at the moment on, on form and fitness. I mean, 12 games, you know, a 12 game win streak in the Premier League is always an incredible kind of hallmark, I think, to that standpoint. Um, I just think we also like ended up running up against like a buzzsaw of a team. They're a really good team and they're going to make, they make a lot of teams look terrible. And even when we weren't great, we still, for the most part, kept them contained with poor execution and the team not being on the same page. Yeah. I mean, to an extent for sure, you know, I think there's a city definitely pressed well and, and definitely made life uncomfortable for Chelsea. Um, but I think if if you look at some of the underlying stats, it's interesting who scored has Chelsea players at like fives and sixes. And they had Dave actually is the highest rated player, Chelsea player on the day, which I mean, he wasn't super involved, definitely not offensively, which is something we're missing from the wingbacks. He made some decent challenges, though. I, I will say that he kind of yeah. grew into the second half for me. He had a really tough first 30 and grew into it. And so, you know, I could see it. But again, if he's your best player, you probably lost, you know, like that's kind of how that will go. So, yeah. And, and you look at some of the shots, like the most shots by anyone or team is, you know, Lukaku and, and one. I mean, essentially players that we had a shot, you were you were getting thrown in there, you know. And then a lot of people are talking about, you know, I guess some of the like the dribbling stats and the getting dispossessed and things like that. And overall, I mean, I think, look, Manchester City, our top team. Not only that, they, Man City have had a, a great run. They played Arsenal the 1st of January, right? They played Swindon Town the 7th of January. And by the way, most of the players in this game did not play in that one. So not only did they have a full week to prepare, they got to rotate over the last two weeks. And we all know what Chelsea's schedule's been. And we just had to play Tottenham. Thankfully, it was a short away trip. Uh, you know, midweek, turn around and have to play Manchester City. I wonder if part of that, Naz, is the lack of preparation that the team had for man city i mean man city looked fresh they ran us around all match and we struggled to keep up with it i mean not only did we not have our best 11 out there but we're kind of patching some things together not in a great fitness place either so i just wonder you know in my perspective it's like we we came into this game probably at 70 percent versus their 100 percent that sucks. Like city are good, even <laughs> if it was a hundred versus a hundred, um, which made it a tougher day. But that sucks is a great way to put that. 
Yeah, Chelsea should have should have purposely got knocked out of the Carabao Cup, but hey, you know, there's two cup finals in in February potentially for Chelsea. Could be can't, can't lose two the cup. Can't do it. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I think that's the issue there. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think City maybe have got more of that spring in their step and and things like that. But Chelsea are bringing guys back, um, and and you know, I did feel like City deserved it. You guys have all said that. I see them more as a boa constrictor than a buzzsaw. Dan said they were a buzzsaw, but I think more of a boa constrictor. They just, it's not even like that entertaining, is it? They just sort of snuff out any opposition chances. You almost, they almost give nothing away, but they suffocate you. You can't breathe after a while from their pressing system, the way they tactical foul, um, their possession game as well. Like, you know, nobody gets more possession than Chelsea usually in a match, you know, um, and, and City have managed to do it. You know, Chelsea are a possession monster as well. Um, and it's sort of what Chelsea want to be under Tuchel, you know, what City do. Because I think that it's all about control now at the top level. Um and and it is interesting, you know, winning a league is about control and, and Chelsea just not had it. And there's a lot of things outside Chelsea's control and you can say, look, yeah, you know, there's too many fixtures. Covid's hit Chelsea worse than Man City. Um, you know, you can say that there's a few injuries to the wing backs. It's absolutely massive. The great players um, were missed. I think that Christensen was also missed. I think he would have been... You know, Malang sided really well, but you'd still have rather had Christensen for the possession thing, playing out of the press and all that. So Chelsea have loads of excuses, but in a way, you know, winning a league is not about excuses. In the end, the best team always wins. You know, a cup's not like that, but a league is. Um, yep. So I think that Chelsea's level over the season hasn't been good enough. Um, and, and, and yeah, we can make excuses now, but... There was games that Chelsea won that they shouldn't have, shouldn't have won, um, and it always catches up with you in the end. So um, I kind of feel I agree with you, but at the same time, I also think that you know City don't deserve to be right up there with City at the minute. No, I mean they are they are by far the best league performer this season. Like there is just not a question in my mind about that. And yeah, I mean I think if Chelsea would have had a full strength squad and you know done you know, had a different game. Like we beat them before. Like it's not, it's not impossible to say that Chelsea can beat city, but we've lost too many points in other winnable games to even have that conversation right now. And, you know, when I said mind the gap, Dan earlier, I mean that, I mean, we, we've been so far off the league since we won it in 16, 17, that I think even getting within 10, 12 points this season would be a massive improvement and still show how far we have to go to be competitive in, in this competition. It's it's almost as if you know the club is comfortable in third, fourth, and getting a, a cup than they are wanting to go after the leagues you know, seriously to me. Yeah, it, it, I think that's where I kind of landed on it too, is that it... it it's been about progressing forward to try to compete with City. And like you look at trying to buy someone like Lukaku to bring in the goals, you know, was intended to help solve that. I mean, the one caveat that I would kind of put in here too is that defensively, the plan almost worked um, for Tuchel to even like eke out a draw. Like this was the lowest expected goals for City in a Premier League match this season. Um, so I, I do think... That is something if we're looking at any type of positive to take away from this is even with a mis you know, misconfigured back line, Chelsea were still able to find a way to really make it difficult on the day for City. And if we're thinking about what we head into for the remainder of the season, one to two goals, potentially a game against winnable opposition, like there is a foundation here, even with missing key points, even having some of the other external kind of crises that we can rebound from. I mean, can I can I just say, though, and I think this flows into the attacking section. So let's just kind of like make that transition here. Like made. I think the I, I think Tuchel got it wrong yesterday and I will fight with you, Dan, on this because I don't think the team was set up. Well, I don't think the personnel was right. I don't think the substitutions were fa- like, why bring on Mason Mount when you've lost the game in the 80th minute? It doesn't make sense to me. Like you're not, we had shown nothing that was going to get us a goal in that game and bringing him on for 10 minutes just felt really, really dumb to me. And he can flap his arms on the sideline all he wants. Like 
whether he had enough time to prepare the team, whether, you know, the team did what he asked them to do. And which, you know, again, all of these things are probably a part of the, the puzzle. This was not nearly the mentality or setup that we beat city with last year. Like there was, it didn't have the backs against the wall, grind out, punch him in the, in the mouth type of feel to it. And I know I got a bunch of feedback telling me I was wrong on Twitter, so I must be wrong. But uh, that is how I felt about that game. I don't think we were well prepared to go the f- here. The and front, win. the front three, like you've got Lukaku, great, but then you've got like a weak kind of like framework around him. He struggled in the first game though, too. Well, I mean, he didn't play well in September. Yeah, I still think like starting Lukaku isn't super controversial in general. Um, but my point is like if you have you have Pulisic who wants to stretch, and you have Ziyech who does not want to stretch. He wants time on the ball. It's just it. I didn't. It didn't work for many, many reasons, and I think a lot of it was the lack of uh, the midfield or Pulisic or Ziyech releasing the ball, especially into space. City are playing a high line. Naz Chelsea did not exploit that. At one point, Ziyech played a ball. There's about 25 yards over hit to Lukaku, but it was perfect. Was he was ready. Ridiculous. Had the defender sealed. Was in on goal. Um, but it also, I think a lot of it comes back to like, uh, you know, Mason Mount, you would have loved to have seen this in, the, in this game. Um, but Tuchel, it seemed like, was picking or had decided that Mason was his key target against Tottenham. And I think we all, after our match, we said, okay, it wasn't his best game, but like, no one played well, really, <laughs> in that match. Yeah. Like, do you think he like benched him because of this performance, or it was like a tactical thing? Because everyone's just sitting here going, like, Mason's Iron Man, like Aspie, play him as many minutes as you possibly can. Mason looked fuming to be on the bench, to be honest. Like, I was watching him warm up, and and like every time when when Tuckle called over the the two subs and it wasn't Mason, it, like he had a face like thunder, and like you know, I, I, I saw him. He was he was in the coach's ears as well before he came on. Like he just he doesn't like to not play. He's it's he's all about playing like regularly. So it is a strange one. Um, I guess there was a choice made really at the beginning of the match, and and you know Romelu Lukaku, we've got I think we've got to address that to, and then we'll bring it back to to the subs. But Romelu Lukaku, the choice to play him, you know, is really poor in the in the first game. I actually thought Havertz was going to play, but when you play Lukaku, I think you're saying we're going to be on the back foot here today. I think you'd send that message to the team and then you, we're going to hit them on the break a little bit more. You know, if you have Havertz, if you have Werner and if you have Mason Mount, you're going to press. You can maybe, these are the three best pressing players in the team. You know, Pulisic as well. He can be either a counter-attacking player or a pressing player. So quick in general. Um, but we didn't really see much of him in, in this game. And, and I just thought that, the you know, the choice to pick Lukaku um, was a, a choice to be a counter-attacking team but then at the start of the match they pressed um, and then eventually they just gave up and became that counter-attack team and I think that was the point when Tuchel got really mad because um, you know it was when they started to sit back and when they couldn't play out of the press anymore and when they were going a bit longer more often and and hey the goal from De Bruyne came from a long ball as well so um, I feel like there's sometimes your lineup sends a message doesn't it and, and that's what I got and, and yeah Romelu Lukaku I think that the the use of him strange really I think that you've got to be brave and it's similar to Ronaldo at Man United in a way I think you've got to pick and choose the right games for him I think that I was I I was really wrong about something this season I've got to hold my hands up I thought that Romelu Lukaku had completely transformed from the player he was at Man United I thought that you know the Italian diet that a lot of people wrote about I think that that I thought that that made him you know more more dynamic and able to press and agile because you have to be agile as well um, I also thought, you know, back to the goal, he was proper target man, he can do that job, but really he's still that guy who loves to sit in the right channel. You know, the, the, when he created that chance for Ziyech or, and he was offside, that's what he loves to do, Lukaku. He, he just still loves to sit in that area and then counter-attack. Yeah. And you've got to play to that all the time and, it, and it's kind of limiting when you play him. So I feel like you pick and choose the right games and I, I feel like Man City's never the right game for Lukaku he he couldn't play in the big games for for Man United and he's and I'm a little bit worried he's not going to be good at doing it for Chelsea. Like there's got to be games like maybe in the Champions League later rounds when Chelsea have got to be brave and say let's leave him out, let's play Kai. Kai offers so much as a striker and and 
And, you know, before Lukaku came back from his injury, Chelsea were doing quite well, loads of wins and stuff like that. And um, and Kai was doing a really... He wasn't getting the goals, he wasn't getting the numbers, but Tuchel was so happy with him. He was so selfless. He was unsettling teams. He was letting other people be the goal scorers, you know, like Reese James, like Chilwell and, and people like that. So I do see a great value in, in Kai Havertz's work ethic, unique skill set, the sort of false nine style of being a number nine. And... And I think that maybe Chelsea really struggle with a big, big number nine, a classic number nine, and and one who prefers to be a counter-attacking player, and and also Lukaku is not a massive champion either, so he's trying to adapt to Chelsea, that are European champions. Lukaku has only won Serie A and I think a Belgian league in his career, um, and maybe a cup at Man United, and and it's not a huge amount of trophies. So, you know, one thing I did write early in in the season was that. Lukaku needs to become a winner at Chelsea because he's not quite there yet. He's a bit of a winner, mm. but he's not a true champion. Um, and a lot of these Chelsea players are. So, um, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of question marks about Lukaku coming out more and more. Um, and it, it still feels like he's an individual um, in a in a team that is, was the European champions, you know. And, and it unsettles the style of play. Um, and there's a lot more. I think a lot of people were wrong about how they wrote about him. Um, it's frustrating but the other side of it is that Grealish had quite a bad game and he cost 100 million as well but City are able to paper over that crack because they're Mm. so good in every other area whereas Chelsea needed and I think Dan touched upon it earlier Chelsea needed Lukaku to be the missing piece of the puzzle and he's not been I almost tweeted about Grealish and I was like, wait, Lukaku is 100 million (laughs) (laughs) saved himself I was trying to look at goals and assists and I'm like this isn't the time. I mean, it's an interesting, like, I mean, you bring up the scenario, though, and Dan, I don't know how you feel about this. To me, if you haven't figured out how to play with Rom effectively yet, or he doesn't, here's the other scenario, he doesn't want to play the, the way that you want to play, right, which is either as a target man or in this high-pressing system, don't you owe it to the rest of the team to play the players who can or do? Like to me, this is this is kind of like not a hard thing. Like I understand his price tag. I understand all of the, you know, this is not the first high profile signing Chelsea have made that hasn't necessarily worked out immediately. Uh, but I think you have to bench him until he does what you want him to do, or or you design a system that effectively gets the most out of him. Neither one of those scenarios, Dan, has happened yet, and. I was shocked that we didn't see Timo Mountain Kai in this game. I, I mean, or Callum. Like I, I, I love Pulisic. Everyone knows that this was not his game either. Like it wasn't Ziyech's game. It didn't make any sense to me what he put out. Well, yeah, you know, I think to the talking about the entirety of the front three. You know, so we could say that Lukaku did not have a great game as well. I mean, I know he's not known for winning a lot of headers, uh, but Stones getting over him at times to win headers uh, was. Pretty wild. Um, yeah. I don't rate stones that highly. Um, so that was a bit of a shocker. And when you look at, you know, I think you know, some of Polisic's movement and some of Ziyech's movements, Polisic a couple of times like had an ability to maybe make the one-on-one run forward, but pass backwards instead. I think he was not as attack-minded at times, which was disappointing because I think there were opportunities on a break to try and move the ball forward, to try to gamble a little bit more. And then with Ziyech, you know, I think there were several, like the dispossession across that front three and just the inability to play the ball into locations where the other was, they all looked like it was the first time they were playing with one another. And like, I just don't understand (laughs) when you're training on a regular basis, when you've played in matches together before, uh, even if it's like two of them, maybe not the three of them, how is that where we're at with this grouping of three um, why are they on the sides that they're on? Like, why is Ziyech on the left? Why so, is Pulisic on the right? To me, that my, makes my no sense either. There, and, and maybe you you know had a different thought on this, Naz. Is I think Ziyech was on the right to try to get potential space. To, or sorry, uh, on the left. To give, give them an ability to play in Lukaku or to play in, you know, Christian on a breaking run. Because he does have that kind of like angled diagonal kind of cross that he can play in. Um, but it just no one was making the run or if they were making the run, <laughs> the ball was off target. Like it just didn't there was no connective tissue between the three. 
Yeah, I think I think he was meant to be the playmaker, and and you know Romelu and and Pulisic were supposed to play very close to each other, um, and yeah, it just never happened. I think City maybe telegraphed it and and were really pressing Ziyech aggressively, and he pressed him out of the game. Kovacic was the only one who could create space because he'd break the lines with his dribbles as he usually does, and he's been unbelievable with that. He created the only chance of no. Um, I was looking at the XG for Chelsea's four shots and. And the only one that had the potential to be a realistic goal was the Lukaku one, and, and it was a bad finish, really. I thought, uh, you know, watching it, I don't think XG really tells the story of that finish. You know, he, he shaped to that corner, so Edison knew full well he was going to shoot there. He shaped very predictably. I, I described it a predictable finish um, when, I, when I wrote it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think any keeper in, in the Premier League would save that shot absolutely easily. So... Um, yeah, I think he's. Um, I think the interviews really knocked his confidence as well. Um, but yeah, I think that that was the game plan. Um, yeah, Pulisic. I think he um, he's been putting in workman like performances lately. I think I feel like he's low in confidence as well. Like the numbers just aren't coming for him. And and I absolutely love him. I think he's played all over the pitch. Played right back in one game. I couldn't believe it. And um, he's been an absolute worker. And so I I look at him sometimes and like. He plays with so much honesty, but the confidence isn't isn't coming with the honesty. He's he's really working hard for the team. He'll do any job for Thomas Tuchel, but there's no confidence in the final third whatsoever. And he was very, and I think yeah, Dan said it right, and Alan Shearer also said it on Match of the Day that you know he just wasn't looking for the final ball quickly and early enough for for Lukaku. Certainly wasn't yeah. playing to his strengths, and and those two didn't link up at all. Uh, it's I mean yeah, you're nothing that has been said about him is is wrong. Uh, he is clearly not the guy that we expect him to be. Um, you know, outside of Mason Mount, none of our front seven are performing, right? Pool six in there. I, I did a quick comparison to him, Werner, Callum, uh, to just kind of see like where he still has the most goals and assists of those players, which is not saying much. Like there is very little production among those kind of class of players that you would expect to be the guy in their position, right? I mean, each one of those players is kind of vying for like that left-hand channel number 10 winger role, and none of them have claimed it. And so you have this scenario now where it's like, uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, Brandon, but like it, it, Tuchel's kind of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, right? Like if you, if you, if you are looking at these guys in training and go, well, Pulisic had a great week in training, Ziyech had a great week in training, and then they go out and, and perform like they did yesterday, it's like I don't, I don't know what you do. I mean, it's it is kind of tough. I, I would I would give Tuchel a break there, but overall, yeah, I don't think it was a great day from them. Um, problem is we don't have a system. Pulisic is very different than Ziyech, who is very different than Timo, who is very different than Callum. So when you put them in, the players around them have to adjust their play style. Um, and so uh, that's a huge part of it as well. You know, uh, depending on who's in, factors in how we play. So our offense is very chop and change right now. And that's got to be difficult. There's no chemistry being built. We're not playing our best 11. Um, but the fact that, you know, when you take out Pulisic and Ziyech and put in Werner and Callum Hudson-Odoi, you've now completely changed how the midfielders are playing how where they're looking for passing lanes uh when they when the outside forwards get the ball what does Lukaku have to do he now has to change because they're probably gonna try to get into the end line and cut back whatever these are kind of the situations so now they have to prepare for what two three different play styles in a game uh and that adds up uh so the last one we have right here I just wanted to yeah sorry I just wanted to jump in there there's there's probably and it's just directly related to that it's just there's probably two different approaches Tuckle can do and he's doing one um which is I don't know no one's playing well like you know like you guys were saying um so I'll just keep rotating forever and see until somebody you know really lays claim to the shirt but at the same time you're not giving people time to maybe lay claim to the shirt so maybe he should do what some other clubs do and just stick with the guys stick with them all the time get them to build their chemistry up. Um, and you might annoy some of the players in the squad, but just stick with the guys and, and let them build that chemistry. Did it last season, right? In the run to the Champions League final. I mean, we know exactly who the hell was going to play in that final. Um, there were, there was really no surprises. All right, last one up. Uh, through the forest, question mark. December's gone. January has been mixed, but February into March should be better? Question mark. 
uh, <laughs> at CFC Daily tweeting, after 22 games last season, we had 36 points, right, under Frank, and then when Tuchel came in, 21-22 uh, this season, we're at 43 points, so seven points ahead. And then the the context to that is that uh, Chelsea still had to go to Liverpool, West Ham City, Leeds, and Villa last season, so we're on 36 points and still had to play all those big teams and West Ham and Leeds. And then this year, we've already <laughs> done the above away grounds and only have to go to Old Trafford, Everton, new manager, and Leeds, who were pretty shocking until smashing West Ham today. Uh, so I say we're in a favorable position compared to last season. So again, that's at CFC Daily's take on it all, Dan. Uh, look, you're the fixture guy. You're the calendar guy on the team, right? Yeah, Dan. Uh, you know what we're doing in March. I haven't looked that far at all. So what is your kind of a good agenda or day plan? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, so what's your take on this? <laughs> I mean, we we went through the toughest period in December and January. And in general, even with having a fair number of fixtures and a lot of travel, when you factor in the Club World Cup coming up here, getting Reese James back at some point in February, most likely like there, there's a lot. I think the the trend line to me looks more favorable. I mean, the Brighton match is going to be difficult because Brighton is always kind of a, a you know tricky wicket, you know, in terms of how they can force you to play a little differently. You have a Tottenham match, which we've shown twice this month, even not on our best, we could still find a way to beat them. Uh, they still are without Sun until this point. Um, and he's out for the end of the, uh, until the end of the month. And then you come back. You've got from the break. You've got an FA Cup match against the winnable side. You would imagine that the Club World Cup should be something that we could win, which would be very, very nice. Palace, obviously a bit tricky, but you take away their star player in Connor Gallagher, and so that match looks a little bit nicer. Then you go to play winnable Lille. You get Burnley, which are just, you know, actually worse this year than they've been in any time we've played them. Uh, and a Newcastle side that even injecting tons of cash infusion into uh, are struggling. And then you get Norwich at the end of all that. Like, this to me is like the change in momentum that Chelsea's going to need. Like, post-break, Naz, I think if Chelsea can get a little healthy during the international break, the rebound here can be on in a pretty significant way. Yeah, it could be. I think the Club World Cup could be a huge boost as well because Chelsea should win that. And um, I think that it'll mean a lot for the club and, and, ev and everyone involved. You know, Chelsea's never won it. So uh, they, Rafa Benitez screwed it up <laughs> when he had the chance. Um, so it's time to reclaim what's, uh, what's Chelsea's. Um, so, yeah, I think that'll be a big boost and maybe a favourable competition. Um, and, yeah, I think it could be a good run, but... It does scare me a little bit still, the Lukaku and Tuchel thing. How is that going to be handled and, and all this? So I just hope that the sideshow doesn't bring them down. Um, and I thought that it might be over when, you know, there's a few good wins in a row. But, yeah, I'm really hoping that doesn't doesn't bring Chelsea down. And I think Brighton, actually, you know, we're looking further ahead and it gets more and more favourable. Reese James coming back sounds great, but... Brighton on Tuesday, it does scare me a little bit because I really like Brighton. I really like the way they played at, at Stamford Bridge. I really liked, I like watching all the games. They're just great to watch and they're in great shape, you know, and they're one of the teams that aren't playing as much as Chelsea. And, and you know, Chelsea are going to go into all these league games more tired than the opposition. Um, it's going to take some great rotation and stuff like that. Um, and I think that that's going to be the big challenge this season because... Chelsea have got all these great competitions. They're going to win the Carabao Cup. They're going to win the Club World Cup. But he's going to have a toll later on in the season. These games are going to be rescheduled. And, and in a weird way, I think I'm not worried about Chelsea in Cups. I'm worried about them in the league. And I think that Chelsea could get dragged down in the league, um, even with a good run. Because all these games, you know, Burnley are going to be fighting tooth and nail for what they want to do. Newcastle, who are they going to sign? Um, the talks of £40 million bids for defenders and stuff like that. So... Um, I'm a I'm so comfortable with cup competitions. I'm just going into those games happy, but when I go into a league game, I go in with a little bit of a sense of dread. I'm, I'm afraid. I, yeah. I I want gaps in the calendar. Like we have to play midweek because Brighton's missed games. Like as soon the pressure is gonna release itself at least a little bit. I mean, because again, until we're through this next week, right? We'll have played two matches a week every single week. And no one else has done it. So there's going to be some weeks where we actually have it off, thankfully. It's about damn time. And just hoping that while other teams took matches off, while we dropped a lot of points, 
hopefully we can just sit and watch and see what else happens. You know, obviously Liverpool look good today, but they're playing Brentford, uh, who actually should have scored. Um, and then even seeing Leeds uh, knocking off West Ham, who, you know, are trying to stay in the top four fight and, and as well. So Tottenham having issues. I just, I'm really hoping now, sort of on the optimistic side of saying uh, that we're going to get some luck late in the season that we didn't get while we are the ones. I mean, I, I, we've talked about postponements and all the bullshit, like the liver, the Liverpool, I'm sorry, the Arsenal Tottenham one, like you've got to be kidding me that we're taking AFCON players and injuries into account for if a game is postponed or not. Um, like all of our appeals have been denied. So yada, yada, whatever. It's super frustrating. I'm really frustrated Chelsea didn't get the Wolves game off. That was an absolute joke. Um, I think that was a joke. But I think that the two games a week thing is going to continue until March, um, from what I can tell, just because Chelsea are in the Cups. You know, Leicester's going to be rearranged because they're in the Cup final. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, I think Chelsea should beat Leo, like should. Um, and it's a big should for me. Um, so there's going to be Champions League fixtures in those. Um, so, yeah, I think that April's going to be when it eases up. But... By April, you're right in a dogfight if you've not done well in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Chelsea's a big dog for the top four race. And I'm, I'm going to stop talking about Chelsea in a title race now completely. That's completely done. Yeah, it's a top four right. race. Chelsea are the big dogs in it, and uh, and that, that's a good thing. But, um, yeah, I've got to say that, you know, you've got to keep half an eye on Spurs, Man United, Arsenal, and to a slightly lesser extent, West Ham. I think they're going to run out of steam, but they have been amazing this season. Yeah, I would I would quickly add like you look at that schedule. If Chelsea is able to beat, let's just look at it past the Club World Cup, beat Palace, beat Burnley, beat Newcastle, beat Norwich, you've done a significant amount of good work to hopefully not have as hard of an April or May as we've had in previous years, like. I think, you know, if you're looking at the the real goal now, like reassessing where we need to go, we need to have top four secured as soon as humanly possible. And that will allow the team to focus on all the other pursuits that we currently have, FA Cup, Champions League, all that other stuff. If we don't, I I do not want to go through another fucking last day thing again. I mean, it's too stressful. It's too much. And... This team is far too good to to be in that position again. Like if if they are, it's a huge failure on a lot of different levels. So obviously, this season's uh, levels of success will be defined by trophies uh, in the cup competitions. That you know, if you can pick up two, three trophies and stay in the top four, I think everyone would say, "Hey, it's a really successful season." It's not ideal, yeah. um, but we definitely didn't regress in that sense. So I think closing the gap to City points wise too would be a, a secondary yeah. goal, but it's not. Again, if, you, if you're top four, you get Champions League or whatever, and you have a, a couple of trophies, it's not a bad season by any means. A lot of teams would kill to have that season. It's just not what we thought it could be at the beginning of the year. I think, I think the city thing is a summer project at this point. The club need to be looking what the hell they're going to do this summer, ins and outs, to, to cut that gap. I don't see a hell of a lot of progress being made uh, between here and the rest of the season unless we get dumped out of Champions League and they keep running, which uh, that's not something I'm interested in talking about on January 16th. Um, all right, well, obviously, Dan, uh, no Dan of the match, poll. Correct. This, okay, so we'll leave it at that, no loss. Um, and it's just from the matches this weekend, Dan, you can run us through Saturday, uh, which had quite a few matches, uh, obviously Sunday missing the big headliner one. Um, but uh, a, an interesting weekend. I think quite a few surprising results. Yeah, I mean, you had the uh, the Villa United 2-2 draw. Uh, I'm sure Naz watched that one uh, quite intimately. Uh, you had the Brighton Palace draw as well. You had the Newcastle Watford draw. And then you had uh, Norwich beating Everton and helping getting Rafa sacked, which is bye, well done, bye, Norwich. Rafa. Best thing you've done all season. Quite wonderful. Uh, Wolves winning 3-1 over Southampton. And then uh, West Ham losing 3-2 to Leeds. And then Liverpool beating Brentford 3-0, which uh, should come as a surprise hey, to no one. Hey, don't forget about Brighton Chris. Palace on Friday, Connor Connor G I scoring. That. I said I said that. I don't know. Maybe. Anyways, no, I just wanted to call out Connor. Again. I just wanted to call out Connor. You know how that goes. Fair. 
Um, I guess Naz, real quick, anything you want to say about United since Dan called you out? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that the, I think United were actually it's one of the best performances of the season. Unbelievably, um, it doesn't sound good, um, and it, it was a bit. It's a bit. Uh, you know, Coutinho's goal was almost written in the stars, but um, it looked like Rangnick's football finally clicked for a while. Um, but then they lost their momentum, and it does show. You know, when when Chelsea do complain, it just show how far ahead Chelsea are of, of the ones who are chasing them. You know, Chelsea are chasing City. Everyone looks up, no one looks down. But Chelsea are Chelsea are way better than Man United. They're way better than Arsenal and are way better than Tottenham. And that's what they've proven um, consistently, even this season where it's been up and down. But it's not nothing like those other teams. So, um, yeah, Man United are tr- trying to try and push up to compete with Chelsea, but. I still can't see it. I still can't see Man United even coming close to finishing above Chelsea. But they should be because the squad is actually decent. Um, there's some big decisions to be made. You know, you're talking Lukaku who's not been a good signing. Uh, Grealish hasn't done well. Jadon Sancho hasn't done well either. But yeah, Chelsea Loney's are, are really on it though. And you know, in the other games, you got, you got to see Connor's unbelievable. Like, and I agree, Palace looks awful, but Connor's steps up there with a goal um, and, and Armando Broge is now getting uh, a lot of the hype train on him oh um, baby sounds, yeah I love him he's, he's so much like a Diego Costa homage isn't he like the way he plays it's just like there's an aggression in his, in his play and yeah I th- it's going to be interesting what happens with him in the summer and you know Southampton want to sign him I don't think they there's nothing's going to happen in January in my mind nothing at all um, but yeah, there will be a market for him, and it's going to be a crazy market for tr- uh, strikers. Chelsea might be one of the few teams not in for strikers. I know most people would want them to go for Haaland, but um, I think it'll be maybe they'll maybe they'll consider wingers if this forward problems continue. But it's um, Chelsea more looking at defence and midfield. So yeah, Brozier could be a little bit of a cheap boost. Um, if you need a goal scorer in there as well. Well, look, uh, we've already spent the Holland money on Rudiger, so we'll see how that works out. <laughs> um, so the table is pretty much a top three and then a fourth through eighth the way it stands. So Man City run away 56 points uh, on 22 played. Liverpool up to second on 21 played, 45 points. Chelsea down to third, 22 played on 43 points. Uh, West Ham are up to fourth on 22 points. Uh, with I'm sorry, 22 matches played, 37 points. Arsenal down to fifth with only 20 played and 35 points. And then check it out: Tottenham in sixth on 18 points or 18 games played, 33 points. If they were to somehow win out, they'd be at 45 points level with Liverpool. Obviously, not going to do that, and it's going to take many weeks for them to get all those games. But it's, again, it's just like that. That's where their potential is. That is crazy that there's a four match difference between teams in the league, and actually five if you go down to Burnley, who are on 17. Um, Can we just relegate Burnley right now? Just like you haven't played enough matches to continue <laughs> in the league. Sorry, if you don't play X number of matches by this date. We will give you automatic relegation. One, Love it. Great idea. One, yeah, one a day for a week. That's what we got to do to keep you get them get them caught this. up. Uh, Man United in 7th, 20 played, 32 points. Uh, Then Wolves on 8th, 20 played, 31 points. So again, you got 31 points through 37 for 4th through 8th. Then all goes to shit at the bottom where you've got Burnley, as Nick said, has only played 17 matches on 11 points. Uh, Newcastle in 19th, 20 matches played, 12 points. And North City in 18th, up to 18th after their big victory, 21 matches played, 13 points points uh and then Watford are right there at 14 points so it's not not good but again there's so many games we made up at the bottom you have no idea it's going to shake out um all we can tell Nick is that Chelsea has shocking form at the top of the table yeah we're we're just terrible um I I will say I watched that Watford Newcastle game against my better judgment yesterday I watched some of it too uh, they're both very bad uh, St. Maximin like, is the only difference between the, the teams. He's the only difference. of. I mean, those teams are bad. And Norwich, I watched a little bit of the, I caught the end of the Norwich uh, Everton game. Also very bad. <laughs> I mean, it is like there are some comically bad teams like 16 through 20 is is in tough shape. If Leeds had a one today, yeah. 
they'd be in that conversation too. They've had a really bad season. I mean, look, you can really put Brentford, I'd say 14 on down. You know, it seems like Steven Gerrard's done well at Villanaz, uh, been boosted with a couple of big signings as well. Mm-hmm. I'd even say Dinier for them is pretty big. Obviously, Coutinho comes with his own uh, resume as well. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty trashy down at the bottom of the table. Yeah, Villa will be pushing soon, I think, for the, for the big six and stuff like that. I think Villa are so ambitious you look at the money they're spending it's crazy but yeah i feel sorry for leeds they've probably had the worst injury problems they are a decent team i you know man united and chelsea both hate leeds so i don't have a lot of love for them but uh yeah i mean they've got rafinha's an unbelievable player if he, he should be in a top six club or yep. champions league club next season absolutely unreal um and yeah there's some other good players there as well but leeds have leeds have really struggled with injuries i think they're they're too good for that. It's it's basically uh, three from the bottom four who are going to go down for me. Everton will come, will bounce back. I think a little bit just to stay away. Um, yeah, that um, yeah, it's an interesting picture. I'd like to uh, ask for a raise as uh, the Leeds match came on uh, after the whatever the other one was, um, and Elizabeth goes, "Is that dirty Leeds?" Yes, I've already taught her. Yes, she's like, why? She's like, why are they dirty again? So, uh, yeah, she is well trained. And then she called Tottenham. She's like, oh, is that the Tottenham Cox? Yes, it is, Elizabeth. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, yes. So she's she's learning quickly, which is great. So, Uh, all right, Naz, you're gonna have to send us another invoice. We've gone over. Thank you for hanging out. No, it's been a pleasure. I loved catching up with you guys, and yeah, hope we can see each other in person soon because. I'd love to have you down in London. We'd love to have you stateside again. So, I mean, look, you can meet us halfway. What do you say? Cruise? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Iceland. (laughs) Iceland, innit? (laughs) Oh, no, it'll be good. Obviously, we'll keep you posted. Everyone, you know, Naz is going to the matches again. If you didn't know, he had knee surgery again as well. So he's finally uh, mobile and attending. Yeah, knee buddies. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, yeah, he's back on the Instagram photos. And obviously, the content is coming out. At, a, at an alarming rate. So make sure you're following Naz. Uh, one of the best in the game, obviously. And, and you know, we become just friends off the pitch as well, which has been great. So we're super biased, but we believe in, in quality journalism. That's why we get to have you on all the time, Naz. So thanks for covering our beloved team uh, for us. We thank you for that. It's never dull, is it? I'm loving it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, sure, sure isn't. Uh, anyways, uh, Nick, welcome back, Dan. Uh, I think it's your turn for a day off coming up here soon. You've been been holding it down great. So, Oh, boy. <laughs> Enjoy it. All right. Well, anyways, that's going to wrap us up. Again, more content coming at you this week. Um, uh, Brighton match on Tuesday, so we'll have the match review out Wednesday, plus more content. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.